We're doing this series uh, about what the church is, being the church, and um, so we talked about Acts 2, verse 42, that the, the early church were steadfastly devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers, and so we've covered those four areas. Now we're looking at a couple more areas here. We're going to look at um, giving. It's very important that you and I, as believers in Christ, are givers. If we don't have a heart to give, I question how much of God's Spirit is at work in you. You should have a heart to give. We're going to see two examples here, one good, one bad. So the message today is called Giving, Feed a Need, Not a Greed. It's taken from Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 32, and going to chapter 5, verse 11. If you're following along at home, that's where we're at. Here's what Dr. Luke writes. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, or Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all who heard these things, and the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, uh, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Wow, that's a study in contrast. Giving should be something that just flows from us as believers. We should just... When we see a need, we should want to just spring into action. It should flow from a heart that's already committed to God and is already cognizant through gratitude of all that God has done for us. And so when I'm so thankful for what God has done for me, then it should overflow when I see a need somewhere. I just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to that person and want to meet their need. I was a recipient of such, sometimes it's very extravagant giving. I was a recipient of that and many years ago. I started my ministry in 1986 in Amherstburg working for Ruth's dad. He was the pastor of the church at the time. And um, I was 
I had to quit my job at the restaurant. I was going to go to seminary that fall. I graduated from university, and I was going to have some experience working as an assistant pastor that summer. But the church had not budgeted. It was a small church anyway. So they had to pay me by donation. And so it was just a real test of faith. But uh, my father-in-law and I sat down. He wasn't my father-in-law at the time. But anyway, we sat down to talk about how this money would come in. We would have special announcements, take up an offering, and just believe for the money to come in. My father-in-law also went and asked a few Christian friends that he knew from business if they would uh, consider this. Two men in particular, uh, one has gone to be with the Lord now. Both, I've never met these men before in my life. They stepped forward and between the two of them paid for a third of all my money that I took in that summer. So that, they covered a third of my salary for that summer, which is incredible. I never even met these people. But years later, I was able to meet the two. I didn't even see them that summer. But years later, I was able to meet these two men. And they actually had long forgotten about the gift. And the one man, the one man that's gone to be with the Lord, I saw him and I said, I, wanna, I haven't properly thanked you for what you did. And he said, well, I, haven't, I don't think I've ever met you. I said, oh, yes, you have. And I told him, do you know Jim Thompson? Yeah. I said, that's my father-in-law. I told him, I said, you gave a gift and it paid for a big chunk of my salary. I said, and, and I had been in ministry for about 15 years by then. And then recently, um, I was just in Toronto and I met the other man. And uh, I spoke to him, and of course I've been in ministry over 30 years now, and so I said to him, your gift was significant and it helped me. And he says, oh, I, I don't even remember. I said, it's because you, you have a heart of a giver. You know, we have an example here in Scripture. This is not communism. Communism is, you have money, other people have needs, give me your money, so that everyone's equal. This was completely voluntary. The people that were giving to the needs of the early church were people who were more, let's call it this, more well-to-do Christians. They owned property and land. They were in a good position. But you know something? They didn't sit there on their wealth. They didn't sit there and say, well, lucky me, or, you know, I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, or, you know, I worked hard and I earned it and other people didn't. So I'm... No, these were Christians that had recognized where they were, that they were blood washed and born again. The Holy Spirit had come and started the church up, and they had a genuine heart for the other believers in their community. The church is just starting out here. It's not that old. It's, there's maybe five or 6,000 perhaps at this point. So it's, it's, it's grown quickly, but that's, you know, it's still in the early stages. But there's already this precedent in the early church. There's already this attitude amongst the believers that, you know something, whatever I have, it's not mine anymore. Oh, before I met Christ, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours, and never the twain shall meet. But now that I'm a believer, hey, if I have something that you need, Listen, it's yours. You, you use it. If you have a need, if you don't have groceries, I have a responsibility to help you get some groceries and put them on your table. And so you have a situation here where people were doing this. As a matter of fact, it says that they all had all things in common. Uh, it says there was great power that was exhibited through the apostles, and they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know, when there's extravagant giving, amongst other things, the power of God rises up amongst his people when they're committed to him. Logos says in verse 34, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. That's not the truth today. We see lots of people lacking, lots of people within the church, believers who are going without. In our country, sometimes veterans going without and other people, and, but certainly in the churches, people are going without, uh, and yet this, this need can be met. It says, nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the thing that was sold. It doesn't mean that every single person who had land sold it. It means, it's talking there, that there was this pattern. When needs arose, somebody stepped up. Someone stepped up to the plate and said, hey, listen, I heard, you know, 
Got the email from Peter and John there. There's a need here. You know, something, I had this piece of property. I was wondering what to do with it. I'm just going to sell it. I got a really good deal for it here. It was up to them uh, what they wanted to do with the money. It was also up to them how much of the money they wanted to give to the church. Uh, you'll notice the phrase, they laid it, verse 35, at the apostles' feet. So this was not... They weren't like meeting a personal need. No, that's not to say that you and I shouldn't meet a personal need of someone that we know, maybe a neighbor, a friend, family member, or whatever, or a stranger, that we should meet a personal need uh, as God puts that on our heart. But this is not talking about personal needs. This is talking about um, we're leaving the apostles' feet and we're saying this belongs to church to be distributed as whoever has need at this time. And so they sold, they brought whatever money. And then, they, then Luke gives us an example of one particular guy that we have not heard of in the New Testament yet, but we're going to hear a lot more of in the book of Acts. The guy's name is Barnabas. His given name was Joseph, but his nickname was Barnabas, the son of encouragement. That was a, doesn't mean his dad's name was encouragement. <laughs> it mean, that was kind of an idiom in Jewish uh, etymology there. You know, the, if, if you were a rascal, they would call you a son of Belial, son of the devil. You know, so the, his name was nicknamed son of encouragement because um, he was such a blessing. He owned some land. He was, he was a Levite. That was the tribe he was from, and um, Jewish tribe he was from. And he, he, he was from the country of Cyprus, which is off of Greece. Um, and he had some land. He sold it. And verse 37 says, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, meaning he brought all the money. I want to make it very clear. He was not obligated to put all the money at the apostles' feet. It's his land. He can do whatever, whatever he wants with it. But he's, it's been on his heart that he needs to bless the body of Christ. There's a need that's arisen, and he says, you know, I'm a man of means. Uh, my heart belongs to God. My, my, I am my brother's keeper, and so I, I have a responsibility to help those in need that I know that are in need. And so it was entirely his prerogative that he took, and he took all the proceeds and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, I want you to try to imagine if you were there that day when Barnabas came in and said, uh, listen, brothers, Peter, John, James, I know this is a real big need here. I appreciate that. And, you know, the Lord's put it on my heart because I have means. He's really blessed me. And, you know, something, I don't want to see one of my other brothers and sisters in Christ going without. So here, I sold some land I had on Cyprus. You know, um, it, it, it's extra. I don't need it when there's a need that's greater. So I'm going to bring it here. You just distribute this as however you have need. Can you imagine if you're sitting there saying, Wow. That's huge. That, that's an incredible gift. Because that's how I felt when those two men gave that money to my father-in-law. And I remember him the day he told me, he goes, I got really good news. You know, we said we were going to trust God to, you know, by donation for your salary to come in. He goes, we already got a third of it, and you haven't even spent a week on the job. I hadn't even spent a week on the job. A third of my money was already in. So, so I remember thinking, wow, what's... Who? And he told me the two names. I don't even know these people. I was just incredulous. Can you imagine the year that day? Maybe you never even met Barnabas before. You would have thought, you know, he's rightly nicknamed Son of Encouragement. That's an incredible gift. That's going to help a lot of people. Now I want you to imagine over in this corner over here, while you and your cronies are, are ooing and aahing and thinking, wow, and thank you, Barnabas. And he probably, not probably, he wasn't doing it to get accolades. He was doing it because he belonged to Christ. He belonged to the body of Christ, and he was doing what God had put on his heart. So he wasn't looking for a plaque on the wall. I remember I had a man one time come to me. Um, he wanted me to help him on some ministry thing he was doing. Ugh, I wasn't convinced about it, but he said, can I have a point with you? Sure. So he came to see me. He had a big 
big knapsack with him. I don't know, is he staying for lunch or what? So anyway, he kept, and he says, oh, before I ask, I, I need to just let you know, you know, I want to show you some things. And one by one, he started pulling out plaques with his name on it, given by these people, about all these great things he had done. I was too diplomatic and maybe a bit shocked to say, put your plaques away. That has no bearing on whether I give you money or don't give you money. I'm going to pray about it. If the Lord directs me, that's you know, it's going to be or, or whatever. I don't need you to tell you how worthy you are. Look at all the great things I've done in the past, and you should give me an offering too. Barnabas did not come sounding a trumpet before him. He just did it. Uh, the fact that people notice is incidental. He wasn't doing it to be noticed. He was doing it to help other people. Ananias and Sapphira, though, are over here thinking, hey, Sapphira, did you know, notice how much pats on the back Brother Barnabas got when he dumped all that money in their feet? And we own some land. What are you thinking, honey? Well, Sapphira, what if, I got a great idea. We don't want to blow the whole thing. I mean, he was dumb enough to give the whole thing. I'll tell you what, let's sell this piece of land and we'll give a portion of it, but we'll make it look like we gave the whole amount. No one's going to know. And we'll come across looking real generous, and we'll be in the, you know, the, the Barnabas Club, and everyone, people will be kissing our hand, because there's no pandemic there, and patting us on the back and thinking, we're great too. So you can see that something's not right between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. By the way, Barnabas' name meant son of encouragement. Do you know what Ananias' name means? God is gracious. <clears throat> Not living up to your name there, brother. And uh, Sapphira's name was beautiful. But what she was doing was pretty ugly. Wonder, you wonder if they were real believers or not. Hmm. Jesus did say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. So, it's not enough to talk a good game. We need to be living out our faith. There should be actions that prove that I'm born again, that Christ is Savior and Lord of my life. It should not be something that, if, I, if I'm trying to cut deals with God and work the angles to look good in front of man and not truly serve God, I'm going to be in trouble. Remember Saul, when he offered the sacrifice back in 1 Samuel 15 around there, he did it in 13, um, he did it because people were scattering. He was worried what people thought. He wasn't worried what God thought. Peter, well, Ananias and Sapphira don't realize that Peter's got a hotline to heaven called the Holy Spirit. I don't know if he just thought that, oh, well, Peter, he's just a dumb fisherman. What does he know? I'll just blindside the guy, give this gift. It says there, an interesting word is used. In verse 2, it says about Ananias, he kept back part of the proceeds. That, that verb, kept back, is the same verb used in the Jewish, the Septuagint, Jewish Old Testament, to talk about Achan. Do you remember Achan? Joshua chapter 7. They had taken Jericho. God had said to, to, Jer to, uh, sorry, to Joshua, when you take Jericho, wipe it out, kill everybody, and don't take anything. It's dedicated to the Lord. After that, every battle that you fight after that, you can take all the spoil you want, but not the first battle. The first fruits belong to the Lord. Don't take it. But this guy, Achan, coveted some of the stuff that they had found in Jericho. There was some gold bars, a nice Babylonian garment, some other stuff, and he hid them in his tent thinking no one saw it, but God saw it. And they lost their next battle. And then God told 
Joshua, there's sin in the camp, and they narrowed it down, and they found out it was Achan, and they stoned he and his family to death. The same word, hold back, is used here. And it shows you that there's darkness in Ananias' soul. Let me pause for a second here and say, when we're giving to the Lord's work, check your motive. If you've got to get a plaque, if you've got to get recognition for your giving, motive is not pure. If you don't care who knows about it, as a matter of fact, it's even better if you think, I hope nobody knows about it. See, Jesus taught, in the, remember on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Let your giving be done in secret. Then your father sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Ananias kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid at the apostles' feet. Peter's first words out of his mouth, this is so generous. No, it wasn't. He cut right to the chase. I don't know how the Holy Spirit did it. I don't know if the Holy Spirit sort of just prodded Peter and said, the guy's a phony. Show him up. We can't have this in the early church. We can't have the Ananias and Sapphira's of the world acting like they're righteous and walking with God and playing a different game. Call the guy out. It's going to be public. It's a pretty severe calling out. Peter doesn't mention anything about his generous gift. He just says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now imagine if you're Ananias and you know you kept back part. That was me. I was like, how does he know? It's impossible. There's no way he could know. Pastor of a large church in Michigan, a number of years ago, his daughter's in her 40s now, but when she was a teenager, he went on some trip, he and his wife, somewhere, and he told his daughter not to have any parties while he was gone. His daughter was going, she's a wonderful believer and actually a minister of the gospel now, but at the time, she was going through a rough patch in her life, a little bit of rebellion, and he said, don't try anything, because I'll know it. And this is before, you know, Google and, and, you know, Amazon Echo and stuff like that. There was none of that stuff. So he went, and he, came, and he just sensed he knew she did something. She had a big, wild party at her parents' house, and she covered all her tracks, cleaned everything. You couldn't tell nothing. They live in a, a dead end of a street type of thing. He came home and said, why did you have a party when I said not to? And he, what are you talking about? Because she knew. There's no way he knows. He was somewhere, you know, miles and miles away. And he said, you had a party, and I know it. She got so angry, stormed off, and he knew it. He said that the Holy Spirit just told him she had a party. And you know She ended up, she put up a fight for a while, but then she just collapsed. She said, I, you know, something I realized. And that was kind of a turning point in her life. She realized the Holy Spirit knew and told her dad. And I believe that's what happened with Peter here. He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. He says, you have not lied to men, but to God. And so it says that he breathed his last and died right there. Now, okay. If you've done something like this or you kept back, if you came in today and put in part of your offering and you quickly unsealed the envelope and took a, took a 20 out and put the rest in, don't worry. I don't think lightning's going to hit you. I mean, put the rest back in on your way out. But I mean, the point of the matter is, I don't believe that's necessarily going to happen. But I'm, what, the point of this is, let's not get foolish thinking we're going to fool God because nobody else saw it. God wants a heart that is completely devoted to him. Completely devoted. Nothing held back. When it's not like, God, you can have 90% of my life, just give me 10%. No. God wants 100% of our life. Ananias and Sapphira were not, were not people that were completely devoted to God, so their giving was tainted. It's interesting because 
Three hours later, so I mean, there's some question like, did his wife know about the funeral? Was she able to get call Elsie and get a lunch? Uh, no, uh, it was nothing like that. It's possible because of the nature of the thing. Uh, she didn't even get told, or maybe they couldn't find her. But anyway, she came in later. And then Peter kind of gives her a chance to come clean. Or so it appears. Three hours later, verse 7, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's correct. I don't know what she looked like. I know she had just a great poker face. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I I don't know what she said. I don't know how she did it. But she wasn't going to fool Peter anyway. Peter answered her, tell me, sorry, verse 9, Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together, meaning with her husband, to test the spirit of the Lord? See, that's the key thing. When you and I lie, we're lying to God, and we're actually putting the spirit of God to the test. Nowhere in Scripture are we told to put God to the test except one area, Malachi chapter 3, in the tithe. Test me now in this, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour such a blessing. There's not room enough for you to receive it. That's the only area, but we're not to test the Spirit of God. They knew, he even said to Ananias earlier, when you, verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? He says, you didn't have to give the whole thing. No one said you had to give the whole thing. You could have given just a portion. But you see, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Barnabas gave the whole thing, and the applause meter practically busted out of its, uh, out of its moorings there. Uh, if we only give a portion, we're going to be lower on the podium than Barnabas. We want people to praise us up as much as they praise Barnabas. And so they falsified their giving. Don't let's don't ever fall prey to such a, a worldly thing. Let's never settle for the praise, the, the earthly praise, when we want God's approval. Let's bring this to a close. She fell down, died, breathed her last, verse 10. She got buried right next to her husband. Look at verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Wow, right there. You might say, I don't know, didn't God kind of overreact? Wasn't that a little bit much? I mean, couldn't he have said, listen, you know, that was really a cheap shot you guys did at the church, but I'm, I'm going to forgive you, but just don't do it again. Isn't it? How about with Achan? Isn't that kind of severe? Like his whole family was stoned? And You know something? Sin cannot, you cannot afford to have sin get a little toehold because if you do, it will spread. Hey, that's why COVID-19 is called a pandemic. Because as much as it may have been stopped in certain areas, it was allowed some access in other areas. And you know, it can just run rampant. And God's saying, we sang about a holy God earlier here. Sin cannot be just like, well, it's not really what I wanted. All right. No. We can't soft sell sin. That's to insult the spirit of grace and and denigrate the, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made in the cross of Calvary. That would be to say, Jesus, really appreciate you dying on the cross, but, you know, you may have to do it a couple more times because, you know, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. No, if you know ahead of time you're not supposed to do it, then you don't do it. And so there's things that we should know as Christians. It's one thing if you did something in ignorance, then it comes to your attention. I didn't know that. I repent of that. God, help me not to repeat the matter again. But if it's something that you know, like they knew ahead of time, and they still thought, we can get away with this. 
it's a, it's a deadly game. This is about the holiness of God. Our giving is a holy thing. That's why we should always pray over our giving. When you're at home and preparing your envelope for Sunday, you should pray over it. God, I thank you. This is the holy tithe. This belongs to you. It's meant to bless the body of Christ. It's meant to honor your name. I thank you that you provide for me, God. This is a, this is a, in fact, it's talked about the holy tithe. It's in Deuteronomy there, I believe. So let's be givers to the Lord's work, but let's let nothing inhibit our heart from giving wholeheartedly. And just give as the Lord directs you to give. Don't look to someone on your left, someone on your right, say, oh, and compare. It's nothing to do with that. It has to do with what is God telling me in my area of giving? Let's obey God in the tithe, the 10%, and offerings as he leads us. And let's do it with a heart that's free and full of the love of God and desires the better of other people. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this example in Scripture. We're certainly glad for Barnabas' example because it's, it's a harsh one to read about Ananias and Sapphira, but we need to read both because there's a contrast here, how to do it and how not to do it. Lord, we pray for a heart like Barnabas. We want to be a son or a daughter of encouragement to people around us, people in our church family, people in our family, people in our community, others in the body of Christ. We want to be a blessing as, you, as we see needs arise and as we have means to meet those needs, we want to be like a Barnabas. Protect us from the deception and the, and the uh, lack of integrity of, of an Ananias and Sapphira. We don't want to walk that way. Lord, we are bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. We need to glorify you in our body, and that includes what we do with our giving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.